0: Good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Darian Shafar, and I am the associate pastor here at Gateway, and I am so excited to be able to speak to you all this morning. I wanna start us off this morning, though, with just a moment to honor our moms. So if you're a mom, and even if you're not, what I want you to do right now is I want you to grab your phone or grab your laptop, hop on our website or on Facebook, and hop in the live chat for a moment. And if you're a mom, what I want you to do is just throw up the hands-up emoji, like you'll see on the screen here, just being like, yeah, I'm a mom. You, woo, I'm a mom. And just, we want to celebrate with you, and we want to celebrate all of our amazing moms in the church. Now, if you're not a mom, but you have a mom, you're not off the hook. What I want you to do right now is I want you to hop on that chat, and I want you to pick one emoji that you would use to describe your mom. And if you're feeling brave, you can also throw up why you picked that emoji. And maybe this can count as your Mother's Day card if you forgot about Mother's Day. Um, But just throw up one emoji that describes your mom and why you picked that emoji. You know, personally for me, I picked the fire emoji because my mom is just an incredible lady. She is so passionate. She is so loving. She is so caring. She is so on fire for God. And every time I speak to her, I'm just reminded of like a love like Jesus would show people. She loves people so much and it's demonstrated through everything she does every day. And I just love that so much because she, she sets this example of just this person who is on fire for God, loving others. And it's just this amazing thing. But you know, It's kind of funny because right now I would describe my mom as a fire emoji if I were to pick one emoji. But if you'd asked me this question ten years ago when I was in high school, I might have had a bit of a different response. The answer might look more like this emoji. Now mom, I, I I know you're watching right now because you told me you were, and if you're not, well, I don't know. But but you know I know you know I love you. You know that I think the world of you and that you're amazing. But I think if we're being real right now, most of us would agree that teenagers tend to look down on their parents because, you know, parents make rules and tell them what they can and can't do and teens don't typically like that. And when I was a teenager, that's probably certain days how I would describe my mom. And it's crazy because in those moments... Even when your mom can be so incredible and so amazing and such a such an amazing person, certain moments, you can just have a completely different perspective because you're upset at them. And you know it's funny looking back. I find looking back for me, um, it's funny to look because how does this, or how does this, turn into this? Like in ten years, how did I go from this? to this. How did I think of my mom like this? And now I think of her like this. Like, it's kind of crazy how our perspective can change and how we can shift and how our focus and what we're looking at can actually affect how we think of something. Because it depends on, in the moment, what you're thinking of. Depends on, in the moment, what you're focused on. It depends on, in the moment, what you're allowing to stew in your brain. See it's like one day I can I can like my mom and she can be just amazing because she just spent three hours on the phone with me talking me off a cliff because I lost my job, for example, or, or, or I just had relational problems. And she just spent so much time talking me off a cliff. And wow, I love my mom so much. But then the next day it's like, oh, my mom, she's awful. Doesn't she know I'm an adult? Why is she still giving me advice? Doesn't she trust what I'm doing right now? And then the next day, oh, my mom is incredible because she didn't kill me when I was a kid. And I really deserve to be killed because I did a lot of crazy stuff as a Kid. And then the next day you can be like, oh, my mom, when I was a teenager, she wouldn't let me drive the car whenever I wanted. And it was just such a pain because she didn't she know how that would stunt my social growth in my life? And that's just affecting me now. And, and it's funny because our perspective, moment to moment, can shift. And it's just a matter of perspective. What perspective do we have? What are we focused on in the moment? And I think, if we're being honest with ourselves, most of us realize that this doesn't just apply to our parents. This doesn't just apply to our relationship with our mom. But this can actually apply to every aspect of our lives. See, what you focus on shapes your reality. And every day, you have the choice when you wake up to... Do one thing to choose what you're going to focus on. You can wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I had the worst sleep. Oh, I have another Zoom call with Karen. Karen doesn't know how to use Zoom. Why is she leading these calls? Why is she in charge? I should be in charge. Oh, just another day of social isolation. When is this going to end? Or you can wake up that same, very same morning and be like, oh, I didn't sleep very well, but Oh, thank God for coffee. Oh, I have a meeting with Karen. She doesn't really know what she's doing, but thank God I'm able to connect with people. And I might not be getting something out of this, but maybe somebody else is. Maybe somebody else is learning from this. And oh, this social isolation thing sucks. I wish I could see people. I wish I could be around people. But what I'm doing right now is helping out. What I'm doing is making a difference. It's two different perspectives and you get to choose which one you want. See, there's a story in the Bible of this guy named David. And the, I love the story of David because David throughout the scriptures he he's just this incredible guy and you see him you see him mess up but also be called like this great ruler. You see him on all different aspects of his life, but at the start of his story we we find this young kid and scholars tell us he was probably like in his teen years, like 11 to 14 years old. And and he is anointed to be king of Israel. He's not king yet, but he is anointed to be king. And there's this other king named Saul at the time. And at this point in time, Israel is at war with this enemy nation called the Philistines. And David's brothers are all out at war and they're soldiers and they're at war. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17, if I can find it in my Bible, it, it tells us that David he he's going out to battle, or he's his dad's like, hey yo, David, your brothers are out at the battlefront. Here's some bread, here's some cheese. I want you to go out to them, and I want you to bring them the stuff and see how they're doing, right? And so, First Samuel 17, it says, um, as or David comes to his brothers and he he leaves his baggage, and as he was talking to them the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the words. And it says that Goliath, whose height was six cubits in a span, which scholars tell us, he was about ten feet tall. Like, just picture that. You're you're out, you're talking to your brothers, and from the enemy's lines, this giant, he's ten feet tall, almost twice as tall as you are, steps out. And Goliath, he wore a helmet of bronze in his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which was about 78 pounds of armor. He had greaves of bronze on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, like a tree trunk, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, which is 15 pounds. And a shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Philistine said, today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. The Bible tells us when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were greatly dismayed and greatly afraid. And all the Israelites, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were very much afraid. It's kind of crazy because if you picture this scene, Israel is on this one hill. The Philistine army is on the other hill. And these soldiers, they're facing off, they're squaring off from battle. And you can just imagine you standing there, you're watching your enemy lines and suddenly out from the enemy lines, outsteps the Hulk, just muscles bristling and just giant angry. Just, and he's like, I, if you fight me, send one of your soldiers to fight me. And if he wins, we will serve you. If I win, you will serve us. And I can just imagine if you're a soldier, like how terrifying that would be. Like I would be looking up and down the lines and be like, well, I'm not the best soldier. John's the best soldier, but John's not good enough to take on that guy. There's nothing really we can do here in, in this moment. Like if I go to fight this man, I'm going to die. If he goes to fight this man, he's going to die. No matter what we do, there's, there's nothing we can do. And if we lose, then that means that, our, our nation is going to be destroyed and the Philistines are going to come in and they're going to take over. And if we lose, that means that my family is going to be enslaved by, by the Philistines and, 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 and everything that I've worked for is going to be lost. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's nothing I can do to, to help my family. There's nothing I can do to protect my family. There's nothing I can do in this situation because Goliath is just too big. And I wonder right now, how many of us have that same perspective? Because we're, we're in the midst of this whole situation with a virus that we don't know how to fight. With a, a, this crazy thing going on that it's not a tangible enemy. It's not something we can just grab guns and, and go attack. It's not something that we can fight against. It's, it's this invisible enemy and I wonder how many of us have this perspective of, oh, this situation just sucks. There's nothing I can do to protect myself. There's nothing I can do to protect my family. This situation is awful. It's just too big. There's nothing I can do. And we get so laser focused on the bad in this situation that I think it becomes easy for us to start to allow fear to rule in our lives. Because when we're scared, it's, that's, it's in those moments that we let our guard down. When we're stressed, it's in those moments that we let our guard down. It's when we start to let anxiety in. That's when we start to let depression in. That's when we just start to allow fear in. Things that we don't necessarily want in our heart, we allow them to take hold because of what's going on or because of our stress. See, I listened to to a TED talk a while back from this lady named Amisha Jaha, and and she was saying that 50% of our waking moments, our mind mind is wandering, which kind of blows my mind because that means that 50% of the time between when you wake up in the morning and when you fall asleep at night, you have no control over what you're thinking about. Your mind is just freely wandering, it's going about. And and she was saying that during this time typically our mind does one of two things. We examine the past, we rewind and we look at what has happened, or we fast forward and look at what's to come. And these are moments where we get to dream and we get to come up with ideas and we get to to come up with amazing things to come or to celebrate things that have happened in the past. But What happens, she says, when stress gets introduced into that, is that we stop just reflecting on the past or reflecting on the future. And we start to ruminate. We start to relive. We start to regret events that have already happened. And we start to catastrophize our futures. We start to picture the worst possible situation, the worst possible outcome of any situation and we stop planning for the future, but start worrying about the future. Which is why I think Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5 to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because our thoughts have power. Our thoughts control us. Our thoughts control how we see the world and how we see things. And there's this guy, this leadership guy named Kevin Horsley. He wrote a book called Unlimited Memory about, expl- or about um growing your potential of your brain. And he said that every single thought you have is creative. Each one has the power to build up or to destroy. See, what you think about, what you allow into your head, what you dwell on becomes your reality. Which is kind of cool that we see science catching up with what Solomon tells us in Proverbs 4.23, to guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Guard what's inside of you. Protect yourself. Protect your mind. Protect your heart. Protect your feelings because everything you do flows from it. Your thoughts become your actions. Your, actions be, or your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions and your actions become your destiny. See, so often what you believe, you become. You can't Hate yourself into change. You can't think negative thoughts and expect something to happen. You can't just focus on every negative thing going on and just magically expect it all to change. What you think about, what you believe, that's what you start to become. And that's why it's important that we fix our focus. See, David in the story, he hears Goliath shout, shout his defiant speech. And David, he's, he's like, what is going on? And, and he goes to the soldiers. He's like, what is happening? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The rest of the soldiers are all running. They're all going. They're dashing away. They're like, we can't fight. We can't do this. We're out of here. And David's like, who does this guy think he is? Picture it. It's like this 12-year-old kid. Who does this giant think he is? It's like three times the height of him. Who does he think he is? It's a different perspective. And David, the story tells us he goes to the king, and he's like, let no one's heart fail because of him, because your servant, me, I will go and fight this Philistine. And this is kind of crazy because everyone around him is afraid. Everyone around him is terrified. Everyone around him is too scared. They're not willing to get involved. David's brothers are like, you're too small. You can't do this. Saul's like, you can't do this. You're not trained. Everyone's like, you can't do this, David. And everyone else is afraid, but David is confident. It says, verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. They said, the Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me from the hands of this philistine it's a different focus the armies of trained soldiers that Saul had they were terrified they were too scared they were thinking we can't do this. I can't fight this guy. I can't go out. I can't win. There's no way I can win. And and if I go out and try, I'm just going to lose. And I'm going to fail. And our entire nation is going to be destroyed. But David, David wasn't subscribing to their podcasts. David wasn't watching their YouTube videos. David wasn't following them on Instagram. He wasn't reading their news article because David... N- Instead of focusing on the fear that was going on, instead of focusing on the fear that I was all around, David was focused on what God was about to do through him. It's a different focus. You see how the story goes is David goes out and he picks up these stones from the stream bed. And with his sling, he goes out to Goliath. And Goliath gloats and he looks at him and is like, who, why would you guys send this child to me? I'm going to eat, I'm going to mop the floor with him. He is nothing. And David puts a stone in the sling. And he swings it around and swings it around and swings it around and releases it. And it flies and it hits the giant in the head. It hits Goliath in the head and Goliath falls. And that was all possible, not because David was a better soldier, not because David was trained to kill giants, not because David knew exactly what to do in the situation, but because he had a different focus. You have to fix your focus. He had a different focus. He didn't let fear rule. He didn't listen to what the soldiers were saying. He knew that God had saved him before and that God would do it again he was focused on what God was about to do through him. You know, I have to wonder, what would happen if we fixed our focuses today? What would happen in, if we stopped focusing on the bad that's going on in the world? What would happen if we stopped focusing on this idea of getting back to normal? Because what is normal really? If we stopped focusing on everything going wrong in our lives, everything going wrong in the world, and we started to focus on what God is doing even now. You see, it's crazy in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this virus and everything going on in the world, it's crazy the revival that's been happening. It's crazy what God has been doing in the midst of people right now. Stats tell us that people more than ever are praying. And this includes atheists and agnostics. People who don't even believe in God are praying more than ever. Stats tell us that more people than ever are tuning into church online, are attending church online in some capacity. More people than ever are buying Bibles And tuning in and checking out what God is saying in his word. And even from our church, I know more than ever, people are joining our groups, are getting involved, they're getting into community, connecting with one another online. People who had never even dreamed of joining a group before are now connected online. See, God is moving and God is doing incredible things right now. And maybe it's time that we stop focusing on all the bad. We stop focusing on everything that's going wrong. If, as if we stop focusing on living life as if it's a poop emoji, and we start focusing on the good that's going on in our lives today. See, because what you focus on, what you focus on, that shapes how you think. That shapes what you say. That shapes how you act. So if you focus on all of the bad, that shapes your actions. But if you focus on what God's doing, that'll fire you up and get you ready for more and, for, and get you excited for what He's doing. So what I want to challenge you guys with today is, is this. Instead of focusing on fear, instead of focusing on your flaws, instead of focusing on everything bad going on in the world, instead of focusing on your Goliath, that one thing that is too big, that is too impossible, that you can never overcome, instead of focusing on those things, focus on what God is doing even now. Find what God is doing right now in your life, in your friends' lives, in your family's lives, across the world. Focus on what God is doing. Find the good in every situation. And when your focus starts to drift, because it will, because you can focus for a long time on this fire emoji, but eventually the poop is going to try and get back in. And in those moments, when your mind starts to drift, when you start to get overtaken by the bat again, take a moment just to remind yourself, no, no. Not everything is bad. No, this isn't impossible because God has come through for me before and he will do it again. Find the good in those situations. Find what God is doing. Remind yourself time and time again, this is what God is doing. This is the good in the situation. This is what's happening. This is what God is bringing us into. Find that good. Know that I might not even know the end, but God does and he has got my back. So I want to close right now with just a moment of prayer. And what I want us to do right now is if you are somebody who's been struggling with focus, you've been struggling and focusing all on the negative, focusing on the anxiety-driven news, focusing on all everything people are saying online, and you've been or you've been focusing on problems in your life or problems across the world. If that's you, what I want you to do right now is just in the comfort of your own home. Nobody should be looking around. Maybe you're with your family. Just tell your family to shut their eyes. But what I want you to do, if you've been struggling, and you've been focusing on the wrong thing right now, I want you to just take your hand and place it on your heart. And I want to pray for each and every one of us here this, this, who's watching this message. Father God, I thank you that you are the God who is always there for us. That you are the God who makes every bad situation good. That you are the God who turns every bad situation and turns it and uses it for our good. God, I pray that each and every person right now who's listening, that you will help us to recognize what you are doing, that you will help us to focus on what you're doing, to focus on the good in any situation, that we won't be people who are driven by the news, that we won't be people who give in and allow allow negative things, negative things in our lives, negative things going on in the world to control our thoughts and control our actions and control our minds, but that we will be single, uh, single-mindedly focused on the good, that instead of giving giving in to fear, giving in to anxiety, giving in to depression, giving giving in to anger, instead of giving in and allowing stress to rule our lives, that we will focus and we will find the good in every situation and that we will find what you are doing in this moment. pray this in your name. Amen.